lot of farmers knew kind of how much tons of fertilizer they'd purchased or spread each year but actually in terms of kgs of nitrogen per hectare units per acre just shy three quarters of them didn't know in them terms how how much nitrogen they were spreading so with 10 percent cut they'll have to they'll have to look and f- figure out if they're going to be still compliant they may previously been compliant with that tonnage they were buying but they'll have to look into that now hello i'm Cahal summers and i'm dearded lynn your Chagas Sustainability Advisors, and you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast number 54, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability. We would love to hear from you and get your opinions on what's discussed in the show. In order to contact us, you can email the Environment Edge podcast at chagas.ie. Please feel free to ask questions or even make suggestions on topics you might like to hear discussed on the show. With new measures introduced to the Nitrates Action Programme this year, now in its fifth programme, do farmers feel the actions will benefit their farm and water quality? Chagas Walsh Programme Master's student Dermot Mulcairns, working with the dairy farmers involved in the Agricultural Catchments Programme, chats us about farmers' opinions on how effective they feel the regulation is. Hi Dermot, you're really welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about the project that you're working on currently? Hi Deirdre, hi Cottle, thanks for having me on. So my project is focusing on the fifth nitrous action programme. Um, the rules came in, uh, the new SI came in there in March 2022. So the focus of my study is around the changes that came in the nitrous action programme. So we're in the fifth um, nitrous action programme, as I alluded to there a moment ago. So the focus of my study is on how these changes, the new measures have come in. So previously there was measures and rules around maybe soiled water, for example. And my study just focused on the new rules that have come in and how they're going to, farmers are going to adapt to them. Farmers are delighted with that. Yeah, or delighted with the, the list of new rules coming in, I'd say. I think everybody was confused, aren't they, with the rules, you know, everything on top of each other. It's all dates and it's all numbers and advisors out there trying to get the message out to farmers. Yeah, there's an awful lot for the farmers to take on board. There's a lot of new things, you know, even for advisors uh, working in the Chagas Advisory Office in Clannock Hill there for the year. There was a lot of changes for advisors alone. So for farmers, it, it, they did an awful lot of things coming at them, as you alluded to there, your dates and uh, new figures for uh, excretion rates for cows, known as the banding, uh, for example. So they did an awful lot to try to get used to there, really. So, dear, I suppose you're looking at this and you have these new rules coming in. Um, and you have a study. How did you go about your study or who did you talk to or what What was the process or what kind of information did you get? Yes, my study, Cahill, was broken into uh, two different stages um, because of so many different changes after coming in in the nitrous action program. It was just too many to go to with the farmers in, in one go, we felt. So I broke it up. The first stage was focused around uh, key informants. They were So they were industry stakeholders, really, um, and what the, the aim the aim from that stage of the research was to try break down um the, the measures so i categorized them into i went through the si and categorized them into 11 different categories and um, so the key informants and the primary aim of that our objective was to try narrow that down to the top three which three measures would benefit water quality the most on coming from dairy farmers that group that you spoke to first so um, so you didn't at this stage you weren't talking to farmers you were talking to a group uh, you interviewed uh, the stakeholders are they were they advisors and um, were they farm organizations that kind of people you're talking to and co-ops and things like that is it yeah so they they arranged it was a there was a the range between 
private and public advisory services. Um, also included Department of Agriculture, um, Department of Housing, local government and heritage who sign in the Nitrous Action Programme, uh, law programme included in the EPA, for example, um, as well as some co-ops, as you came to there, um, and the Agricultural Catchments Programme, of course, as well. So out of this then, that specialist group, they selected three of the top different actions from the regulations to improve water quality. Um, and these, this this group, this um, hybrid group decided then that these three um, I- interventions or, or mitigation actions, these are the ones that you were going to discuss with, with the family or sorry, with the farmers. How did they come up with this conclusion? So how we went about it was... Um... I provided the key informants of the industry stakeholders with the list and uh, they we were this is all done face to face so we I had them done out in little scorecards and the industry stakeholders ranked them they went through them one at a time they read the the new um the new regulations and to make sure just everybody was on this same wavelength I suppose but um and then they they ranked them manually on scorecards putting them above or below the previous one that they'd, they'd read about so that's how it kind of came out. And the top three that came out of it were the changes to soil water storage and management. Um, livestock excretion rates came in as number two, uh, the, also known as the milk bands. And the third measure that came in was the chemical fertilizer reductions. I suppose maybe just if I put in one bullet on each on how they were picked, kind of maybe why they were chosen over other ones was for the soiled water. Um, just before you go there, Dermot, will you tell us uh, maybe some of the other ones that were on the list as well, uh, rather than the top three? Uh, I think you had the Jeff slurry storage and management and uh, analysis of soils and low emission spread and things like that. Was it? Um, I think uh, yeah, reduced storage about wintering and all green cover. So they had a selection of ten to choose from. Yeah, out the the they had that uh, kind of I suppose menu of eleven different yeah. options. Uh, and as you mentioned there, Cottle, there was there was the changes to slurry storage and management, which uh, under that heading was the changes that. Previously, you could spread slurry up to the 15th of October in 2022 was brought back to the 8th of October. And from now on, it's going to be the 1st of October is the close date for spreading slurry. So that was actually came in at number four on the list. Uh, there was changes to the low emission slurry spreading is more widespread now. Previously, the requirement was for all derogation farmers to use it. Um, and that's coming in on a phased basis. Um, for farmers stocked at lower stocking rates uh, in future. So. so out of that 11, then the specialist group or the uh, stakeholders selected the, the, the top three that they thought to be most beneficial than to water quality, was it? Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting that they ranked soil water as as the first one, wasn't it? I mean, there's total and utter confusion about soil water around the country, isn't there? It's one of the biggest kind of anomalies. Yeah, and you know, it's, it was kind of an interesting one, I suppose. It might have been really, you know, obviously the soil water, there's the nutrients in within soil water, of course, but a lot less than there would be in slurry. But that the reason kind of came above the slurry probably was it was that indirect benefit of the closed period where now no, no tanker, I suppose, can go out. Um, it was kind of removing that grey area where maybe previously farmers or could say they were spreading soil water but it was actually slurry in the month of December. And that's kind of really why that came as the number one. It removed that grey area there and now nothing as such can be spread nothing during the month of December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's actually quite good for water quality as well. 
from our from our perspective. Good, yeah. And tell us a bit about those three top three categories. Then I think I stopped you there a minute ago. So tell just go into a little bit of detail. Um, I know you spoke about the soil water, so that's the thirty day storage that that people have to on dairy farms have to look out for. Yeah, so that soil water is going to be introduced on a phase basis. Last year, it was uh, ten days. That's twenty. First to the 31st of December was a closed period this year in 2023. Now it's going to be from the 10th of December and going forward then from the 2024 and onwards, it'll be the full month of December will be a closed period and you'll have to have a storage in place for that period of time also. Uh, in terms of the livestock excretion rates with the milk bands, not so long ago, all cows, every cow is a nitrogen excretion figure. So not so long ago, that was 85 kilos of nitrogen per cow. Um, then it changed to 89 kilos and in since January now, it's changed to, there's going to be three bands. Uh, cows are going to be broken into three different categories, depending on their milk supply to the co-op. So it's based on the kilos of milk supplied. So below 4,500 kilos of milk is going to be known as band one. And your nitrogen excretion figure for that dairy cow is going to reduce actually from 89 to 80 to represent them cows. Uh, for animals between 4,500 kilos of milk and 6,500 kilos of milk, which is the majority of herds in the country, they'll fall into that band too. And it'll go to be a slight increase in your nitrogen excretion figure there from 89 to 92. And where the most, the biggest jump, I suppose, there is for the band three farmers uh, who are supplying over 6,500 kilos of milk to the co-op. And they're going to go from 89 kgs of nitrogen per cow uh, to 106. So there's quite a significant jump there. And the last measure, the third, uh, the chemical fertilizer reductions, that's focused on nitrogen. Essentially, there's been kind of a 10% cut um, to nitrogen allowances for farmers across the country at different stocking rates. But also there's been an introduction of a newer um, category there for a farmer stocked below 130 kilos of organic nitrogen per hectare. Their, their new allowance will be 114 kilos of chemical N, but for, for everybody else, it was kind of a 10% cut, I suppose, to their nitrogen. Can you tell me a little bit about now the, the farmers that were surveyed and how were they selected? Yeah, so the farmers were farmers from the agricultural catchments program. So there's six catchments across the country within the program. And the, the farmers that I've done my study with are dairy farmers that are farming within these six catchments. The farmers, I, I handed to them there as well that they were really good, you know, in fairness, they they really good at their time. They were done as phone surveys in January 2023. So uh, farmers were very generous with their time there, so I thank them for that. But um, the nitrous action program itself is implemented. Or we must have the agricultural catchments program or some monitoring program to monitor the nitrous directives. So I picked those farmers because of they're within the program and they're not a representative group of the country, but they, there are the six catchments from ranging from up in Monon to Cork to Wexford to Mayo so kind of different soil types and different systems so they kind of it was nice to kind of get different views I suppose but the farmers themselves if we went through a few quick stats on them they were 53 years of age on average uh, they were all farming full-time two-thirds of them were spring caffin one-third split caffin the average cow numbers was 112 122 cows sorry, per, uh, on each herd the average farm size 72 hectares just shy of two-thirds of them were in derogation and the average whole farm stocking rate for the 42 farms that participated was 202 kilos of nitrogen per hectare. And when you were out, I presume, when you were talking to the farmers who in interviews and you were introducing the, the three top regulations that the specialist group um, thought would be the highest impact, um, 
did you assess kind of how the farmers are, are getting on with those three regula- regulations, uh, I suppose, when you talked to them at the time back in January? Yeah, so I, I just set of questions and to see where they're kind of standing at the moment, I suppose. And if we go through them, they're in order. The soil water uh, storage and management changes, 26 of the farmers, or 62%, I suppose, uh, had sufficient storage on farm at the moment. Um, of them at 26, 11 of them actually stored all their soil water in with their slurry. So I suppose if we maybe leave them out for a moment um, and just focus on the people that designated soil water storage, just a little under half of them actually had enough soil water storage on, on place um, on the farm at the moment, with the majority of the farmers who didn't have sufficient storage, that they have somewhere between 10 to 19 days is what they indicated that they have on the farm at the moment. So That's a bit of a worry, isn't it, Jeremy, with the new regs coming in? With the extended the winter, dates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, definitely, definitely with the, in 2023 now, there, it's 21 days storage requirements. Yeah. So there, there are 75% of the farmers who haven't enough storage in place at the moment that aren't going to be uh, compliant this year unless they take some action. And and he's even physically trying to find space to put it, uh, extend your tanker, put a new tank in is going to be a problem. And uh, you've alluded to something here. Um, there's 11 farmers are actually storing their soil water with slurry the potential for other farmers rather than putting in new soil waters to throw it in on the slurry, but that puts pressure on their slurry then, so you could add additional issues down the line. Yeah, that was definitely one of the actions. Um, the farmers, when I asked them what actions, that they, they, they said they'd store it. Any additional soil water requirements with their slurry at the moment, but as you've said, Carl, the slurry storage is uh, going to be put to a somewhere. bit of pressure on that be under there pressure. as well. And there's not as much flexibility and when you can spread then if you're putting the soil water in, you'll you run out of space earlier in the spring. So if you had a buffer currently, you mightn't in future, so... No. How how were they on the livestock excretion rates? Yeah, with the milk banding, um, where where the farmers sit, I suppose in it at the moment, uh, looking at the three year roll and average. If uh, on that side of things, uh, now this year you can, there was, uh, you could pick at last year's figures, or just for this year going forward, you could pick this year's current milk, um, that's going to be sold to the co-op in twenty twenty three. But if we looked at just a three year roll and average for that, we had available, um, about. Just shy of sixty percent of the farmers are going to fall into band two, um thirty four percent of them are in the upper band in band three, and a smaller cohort, about seven percent, were going to be in the the band band one. But that's from the data we had when I actually asked the farmers which band they're going to be in. Um, figures weren't too much different, but there was um each of them three categories like you know, they reduced, but there was seventeen percent of farmers actually didn't really know which band they're going to be farming in this year. And um, this was back in January. So And to, and to be big. fair to them, I'd say at that stage there there's been a big campaign in February and March from Chagas and a lot of others to I suppose let our farmers know about the banding. So I'd say if you went back in the morning now, hopefully that seventeen percent would be down a bit a good bit. Yeah, you'd be hoping it'd be probably nearly zero percent now because every or you know, as near to zero as possible but because farmers had to indicate to the department which band they were going to select uh there back in March. So you'd be hoping that that figure'd be very small at the moment. Um but in terms of the fertilizer then where they were sitting, a lot of farmers knew kind of how much tons of fertilizer they'd purchased or spread each year, but actually in terms of kgs of nitrogen per hectare, units per acre, um just shy three quarters of them didn't know in in them terms how how much nitrogen they were spreading so with 10% cut 
they'll have to they'll have to look and f- figure out if they're going to be still compliant. They may previously been compliant with that tonnage they were buying, but they'll have to look into that now. With sixty four percent of in derogation, I suppose that 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 leads me to believe there's a bit of communication from our the likes of ourselves and private planners to be done on working on you know when they come into the office on derogation to work show them their nutrient management plan, show them how much nitrogen they've spread and break it down for them. Be it if they want to know it in tons or bags to the hectare or whatever it may be, just to communicate that message when when they come into the office and support them. Yeah, I suppose whichever metric they're going to use. But uh, interestingly, it, when I did break down the figures and looked at who the, those that were aware of their their nitrogen usage, uh, just over four fifths of the farmers were were the farmers in derogation. Um, they they knew their their nitrogen. They know their figures, don't mm, they? Yeah. They the um the staff the derogation staff here. Um, are very, very good at relaying the information to them. So you also asked the farmers if the measures would have a positive effect on water quality. Fair play to you, Jeremith. We're working on water quality, so we're delighted with that. So what did they say? Yeah, so I actually asked them, I, I presented that in a Likert scale type question to them. So they had five, they had five different options. They could have said, I presented two different statements we'll call them and they could have said i strongly disagree i disagree i'm neutral i agree or i strongly agree with the statement so for example um and this the statement was the same each time just the measure to the soil water the milk bands or the 10 percent cut to fertilizer was just uh, swapped in so the statement was changes to soil water storage and management will have a positive effect on water quality nationally um in this example so what the farmers said back to me there was on a national basis that they nearly 65% of them agreed or strongly agreed to that statement that they thought these changes will benefit water quality. Then when I asked them the same question on their own farm, maybe not so much. Um, That's interesting, reason, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose there was a lot more disagreeing to that statement, but that would come back to when when we look back to their previous answers and they had sufficient storage in place and some farmers, of course, they said they stored with slurry. So they were never spreading during December. So that makes sense that they wouldn't agree with the statement as much on their own farms because the change isn't going to make yeah. much difference there. Different to them, yeah, but, exactly. Uh, with, the, with the milk bands, there was a, the agreement levels were a lot less, I suppose. It was a lot more kind of 50-50, really, um, nationally speaking, only 36% said they'd agree that that they'd benefit water quality nationally. Um, I think this just comes down to more and with more than strongly and strongly disagreeing or disagreeing up around the um, 40 percent were saying they didn't agree and the rest neutral. But I think this was just that the awareness around the milk bands wasn't quite as strong and maybe the understanding of how they work. Um, understanding behind the science to it um, mightn't have been as clear. Did, did farmers kind of say to you, we, we don't understand what that means, uh, like you know, what, what the bands will do to water quality, is it just purely down to the science, lack of communication, or not communications, it's a new concept, it's only been in, I suppose, in the last year or bit, um, we haven't we spoke about a bit, but um, did they say they just weren't sure they didn't understand it? Yeah, well, I didn't ask them directly Afterward, after that question, you know that mm-hmm. can you explain why you picked each option? But um, I think it came back to from later on other questions that asked them. Um, I think it did come back to just not really hundred percent sure. Couldn't really see how that was going to benefit water quality yeah. as much. You know, um, if like whereas when we moved to the chemical fertilizer reductions, again a lot of them 
north of nearly 70% said they agreed that it would benefit water quality nationally with uh, the remainder being neutral or disagreeing to it. So because them farmers then following on had said that you know, maybe it's, they saw last year with the higher input costs and fertilizer prices probably meeting record highs uh, that um, they cut back and they saw they could spread less nitrogen and still grow the same amount of grass and they thought less nitrogen going out probably yeah. less chance of nitrogen being available for leaching so on the soil water and the chemical fertilizer reductions the more or less kind of there was more green than disagreeing we'll say for improving water quality with the milk bands they were kind of 50 50 really if that was going to benefit water quality or not it's quite, it's quite positive though isn't it you know like like for farmers come out and say um that you just said some of your farmers come out and said um, we can still grow the same amount of grass with less nitrogen. That's 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 a big behavioural change, and it's very positive for farming. I think. Yeah, of course. Showing the the less inputs, I suppose we can put in and get more efficient mm. uh, with our nitrogen use. It's uh, it's definitely positive, and hopefully we'll see them results now in the water quality trends. A lot of the farmers though would have been up under NAP would be using the the clover and the swarts so that would have been an additional benefit plus your liming campaign soil fertility looking at your soil samples so a lot of the regulations would have been pushing towards better efficiency anyway yeah they would and i suppose with the questions and i asked later on with the the actions the farmers were going to take I, they kind of came back to what you've said there Deirdre um you know what the on terms of the chemical fertilizer reductions they were highlighted they'll try to improve soil fertility the Lyman program should help with that hopefully um, and incorporating clover is one of their top three choices there as well um, Do you think if you'd asked the farmers first if they'd been your um, you know to select what options they thought would have most effect on either production or water quality do you think that they would have got gone for the same three mitigation actions? Yeah, I'm not sure, Deirdre. To be honest, uh, um, I'm not sure what would they have or not because I suppose as farms is so farm specific. Um, certain measures depend on what you're doing on your farm. Like there's there was different measures there depending if you had commonage or not. You know, the, the there was no chemical nitrogen. You can't spread any chemical nitrogen on commonage anymore. So maybe yeah. for farms yeah. that had commonage, that might impact them, but majority didn't. So that's why that one didn't come up and with the low emission slurry spreading, when we go back here and look at now that 64% of these farmers were in derogation already, yeah, the introduction of the low emission yeah. slurry spreadings wouldn't have made much difference to those farmers because they're already mm. doing it. So possibly the same measures may have came up. but Yeah, the slurry storage one, I'm surprised, wasn't the top. That's, yeah, that's yeah, the one that's the one that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it's funny, oh, it's low emission spreading is an example you use, and that's been in for a while now. And I think farmers in the last five years have come to a realisation that's not just for regulation, that it's a really good piece of technology. And you'd actually see more um, trail shoes and dribble bars in the road now than you would see splash plates, which is which is encouraging anyway. Yeah, it was a comment that they, they would have passed at different stages, actually also caught during the interview or the phone survey, you know, that the, I would have heard many of them saying, I don't I don't know how many exactly, was, but they would have said, you know, like changes like the low emission slurry spreading, the trailing shoes, they have a great job. And we, we can see the difference between spreading with the, the less machinery compared to the splash plate, the, the better responses and you know, the benefits in terms of uh, being able to go in grazing sooner and other benefits like that. But... Yeah, and it's great to get those double wins that the farmer wins and, and the environment wins. And that's what it's all about, trying to create that, 
that communication where the farmer understands that it's a benefit all around. The Agricultural Catchments Programme kicks off on Friday the 5th of May on the Chagas Signpost series and runs until Friday the 12th. During the week, each day, you will have lots of opportunity to learn about the Agricultural Catchments Programme and the farmers in it, with content ranging from podcasts, articles, videos, webinars and social media. With the highlight of the week being the open day in the Timberley catchment on Friday the 12th from 11 to 1.30. Don't miss it with lots of interesting information. For social media, use hashtag ACP Week 23. That's it for this episode of the Chagas Environment Edge podcast. Thanks to Chagas Walsh Programme Master Student German Mulkerns for joining us on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Cahill Summers. And I'm Deirdre Lynn. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, signpost to farm sustainability.